What up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Black Top Podcast. Sorry, we were running a little behind. Ruben, uh, I think he had to go make some some tea or something, but we're <laughs> back. We're live. We're we're here. Notive Gang, Grace, hello. So, yes, uh, if you're listening to this on the audio or VOD video version of this, we, we are streaming this now. Uh, this is just kind of mm-hmm. test the waters. Hopefully, it's something that can be reoccurring, but we're here. We're not the Q word, but we're here. Ruben, my brother, what is up? As you can see, Christian is uh he's off doing his his on his school grind. I kinda am too, but I'm still here to talk about the beautiful game. But before I keep talking, Ruben, sure. bro, what's up? Man, a lot to talk about, eh? Hundred percent. Uh, you know, life is what it is. Uh can't complain, man. I mean, I'm just excited to talk about basketball because there's so much going no on. No doubt, right now. no doubt. I I think the <clears throat> perfect way to start this off is uh, again, if you if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we lost a lot of that on my part because my dummy forgot like that my other mic wasn't recording and picking up for the actual video part, but Ruben was able to hear it through Discord. Blah 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 blah. It's that thing on Ruben's hat, my my guy. They just beat this this team that's considered one of the top teams right now in uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, yeah, just react to that win and you know, kind of this early uh, season success and yeah, what's to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll speak on behalf of the Cavaliers first. I just want to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I think they'll be better uh, moving forward no if doubt. and when they get uh, Jared Allen back in the lineup, right? But. Um, they still have that weakness at the three spot, right? Like we were talking about this last year. We talked about this going into the season. It was like they have the backcourt duo. Um, they've got a great uh, uh, frontcourt duo between Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And the question mark was always going to be who's at that three spot and who's going to be able to be that difference maker, uh, whether it's on one end or the other, right? Like a guy like Kerry Silvert was supposed to come into the season. He was going to be that, you know, that offhand guy to be like, hey, if nobody can get a shot off, Karis Levert's the kind of guy who can, can score the ball. And then he also put in an emphasis to defend this year. And then he's been coming off the bench, right? And so they've, they've tried different mat, they've tried different looks. They've tried Lamar Stevens. They've tried Isaac Okoro. Um, and against a team like Toronto, they just didn't look established. I just didn't think they looked very good. Um, and a lot of that has to do with Toronto's defense, which I'll move into them now. Uh, as a really unbiased opinion, I think Toronto, aside from from Milwaukee, I think, and probably Boston, Toronto is the one team that could that could throw several different looks at a team's offense. Um, you can play big, right? You can choose to play small. Um, what they did last night, and what they've done the last two nights, actually, or is it three? I can't remember. Um, well, against Dallas for sure, where they blitzed the pick and roll. And they did that several times uh, against Cleveland last night. They did that against um, Luka and, and the Mavericks, where they blitz the pick and roll. And more often than not, you know what happens, right? You blitz the pick and roll, you, you get the double team, and then there's someone who's wide open. Uh, but Toronto's long enough where they can recover um, oh, no, no. in a shell defense, right? So, I mean, I, I just think, like, Toronto also getting their guys back, right? It kind of just... Oftentimes you have this like next man up mentality. Well, when the guys come back, everybody starts to get pegged down, right? They go back into their roles. And I think when you have your best guys there, not only is it like affects your offense, right? Like you, you know who the guys are going to get their shots. You know, you're going to have your offense, but also the defensive end too, right? Like 
OG Ananobi doesn't have to go out there playing 100% constantly, even though he is guarding the best player. He also doesn't have to worry about help side defense. He doesn't have to worry about crashing the paint and all that type of stuff when you've got all the other guys around, like Scotty back in the lineup and, and Pascal back in the lineup. So um, last night's win was really good. I think uh, for a Raptors fans, like, you have to be really happy with what you saw from Pascal. You and I were talking about this offline. Like, Pascal literally looked like he could drop 40 in the first 10 minutes. Oh, and he was on a like, heater for sure. I'll let you, yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you react to it for sure. But it's like you would think last time that that Siakam missed this much time was he actually had a groin injury in 2020, and that was before the bubble. And what happened that time literally was uh, the exact same injury, but when Pascal came back, he didn't look the same, and that was one of the biggest concerns for sure. With this season, I mean, he's he's coming back missing, what, two, three weeks? And he looked just like the same old Pascal. Oh, no, um, ru- no rust at all, for sure. Yeah, no. Uh, no, no rust. Pascal was, he, uh, he got into, I think, that flow state that JJ and Steph were talking about in basketball where everything's just kind of going yep. your way. Every shot's falling. Every cross is crossing. It was definitely kind of like that where Pascal was, Pascal was a bad man. I don't think there's any other way to kind of put it. But not only that, yeah. I think, I mean, just a little sidebar. Both of our teams both just had pretty big statement wins against uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's a, you know, that's a little, a little side. Oh, Jam- oh, Jameel with the 245 bits. Appreciate you, bro. But not to get back to it. Uh, the Raptors, I think, the Raptors and Bucks are two teams that I think are the teams that best match up. And you could definitely throw the Celtics in there where, yes, the the Cleveland Cavaliers undoubtedly have one of the best backcourts in the in the league, in the world, but you see the limit that two six-foot guards really puts on you. We've already seen that before with, uh, you know, CJ and Dame, and now this, this is supposedly this new version, this new Hayden version with uh, Donovan and, Do- and Garland, but... Yeah, no, the the Raptors, I think even outside of uh the the Pascal heater, it was the fact that uh it was a good solid team when there there wasn't really there wasn't one player with 30 and everybody had like 10 or 5. You saw nice balanced scoring from everybody. Fred was struggling a little bit in the first bit but picked it up, was able to distribute the ball. Scotty came off the bench, did his thing. It's it's just I think the first time you guys have really been fully actually not even fully healthy because obviously you have the minutes restriction with pascal but i think it's the first time you really saw like the full full first team kind of get their thing off and not even that i think Dolano banton didn't play right not that he's going to be like a super he, big part of the rotation but he's another yeah. guy you can plug and play in there when you want to throw a different look where let's say maybe freddie's like being a little bit of a defensive liability at that point Dolano banton's obviously that nice big six nine new positionless basketball guard you can throw in and then you can have that whole big lineup and it's just the the Raptors have all the tools I think to really throw a wrench and be one of those like they're they're like this they're they're that uh that March Madness team that everybody's not looking at but have all the tools all the withdrawal all the know-it-all to take down Mm -hmm. like a Duke level team in that sense where obviously like last year you were saying they're playing with house money. I think it's somewhat of the same this year where they're obviously not looked at in that upper echelon, but we we can both agree. I think they're more than capable of getting to there for sure. 
Yeah, the interesting part about that too is that like Toronto's always been a team that's been overlooked every year. I mean, when they 100%. had Kawhi and they won the championship that year, they were overlooked, right? So it's 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 uh it's not new to Raptors fans, and I think we're in a place now where we understand that every season we're gonna come in and be like, hey, you know what? Like the conversation doesn't revolve around the Raptors, and it never will, just simply from a um. From a patriotic standpoint, there's like there's like we have to be quite frank. Like a lot of a lot of even though that you know the t- like Toronto the Raptors have a lot of American players. Um, you know the simple fact is the team is not in in the states, right? So yeah. that, that genuine support isn't going to be there. Um, even in, from journalists that say things like, "Hey, you know, obviously we have to be impar- you know, impartial and all that stuff," right? So and there's always going to be um, a bit of that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the the one last thing I wanted to drop about the Raptors is the fact that they started that young and watch out Hernan Gomez last night. And, hey man, Bo um, Cruz, Bo Cruz was nice. Hey, he's balling. He's balling. I have to say, and the one thing that surprised me about him was actually his defensive awareness. Like, he's a guy that uh, if you try to get if you try to make a pass like cross court, or you're trying to get it out to the corner like on a driving kick, like the simple play. Um, he's a guy who's uh, underratedly long and really good like at, at reading the defense. And multiple times this year in games when he's played is he picks off passing lanes really well. And it's like, oh, shoot, Wancho got that pass? Okay, like not bad. And then when he's giving it to you on the other end where he's really good at cutting off the ball, and I think that's why that Thad Young Wancho duo. Like, I don't want to talk too much about this because obviously it's it's like, but if Raptors Twitter knows that those two have developed a really good chemistry over the last few games. And when Wancho is is cutting and Thad's got the ball in the high post, that oftentimes is a bucket because like he's cutting and he's curling into the paint. And um, people just forget about Wancho because like obviously everyone thinks he's just Bo Cruz and he's the guy who's been around the league, right? But uh, and he's hitting the three ball, so uh, it's a really nice fit that starting lineup. Interesting though that Scotty didn't start, even though it looked like he could have played the whole game. Um, so that's just an interesting thing to keep an eye out for, because I wouldn't be mad at Scotty and Gary coming off the bench for the time being, because the problem has been the bench's inconsistency. Despite Chris Boucher, who's been really good, and I think that I was a little disappointed in the way he played last night and or the lack of minutes that he got. So, uh, just an interesting thing to watch out for. But I know we got so much more hoops to talk about, man. Like, there's so much on the on the docket. Like, oh yeah, we we could spend this entire podcast, you know, about exactly. But yeah, uh, in terms of like, I guess our little roadmap for today, we're gonna be discussing the log jam that's in the West. Uh, how good are the Celtics? Pretenders versus contenders, and a little talk about this upcoming, like, I think it's around Marchish where or February where. Is it ah the like trade deadline basically who could be buyers sellers, and then this last one it, it's a little bit inspired actually not a little bit entirely inspired by the fact that it is the World Cup right now, you know Canada got their first goal yeah. even though they got thrashed but we're gonna think about because because the game is going into such a global thing, this kind of world versus USA teams that could go down because I don't know if you saw earlier but Giannis was saying like they 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 would smoke them. I'm not saying that I agree with that or disagree with it, but I think it's a very, very worthy conversation to have, and I think it's a nice little fun one we can have at the end. But let's head and talk to you about the West. I mean, the Warriors and Dallas Mavericks game just ended. Superb game. Down to fun the game. wire. Had a mid-off. They both lost because they're both at 500 now. 
<laughs> mid off, dude. That was as real as it yeah, could get. Mid off, Josh then... Green hitting threes for you. And oh my god, Jonathan Kamingo making plays down the stretch. Like that's a mid off as it gets. Hundred percent. But even looking at the standings, Phoenix sits at the top at fourteen and six. You got Denver, New Orleans, Memphis, the Clippers, Portland. That makes up the play in bracket, and then in like the play or the the playoff bracket in the plane right yep. now would be Sacramento, Utah, Dallas, Golden State. And that leaves, I think, two distinct teams that can make that jump in back into the play-in in Minnesota and maybe even the Lakers. I, I think the Thunder, as fun of they've, as they've been, you, you just really think, and I think that as great as Shea is playing, there's always that thought that they could kind of like, oh, you know, Shea got a case of that Wemby. Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll be out of it pretty soon. Yeah, for sure. And another team that will probably be out of it is the Utah, which, but even then, to talk about that, let's talk about Minnesota. They're currently 10 and 11, and that puts them back four and a half games from first, which obviously in like the first month or so is technically a lot. But in the grand scheme of the fact that we still got 50 plus games for each team to play, it's really, really not. And it's the fact that it's so tight that makes this like Western Conference such a big like such a big toss up this year. I don't think there's a team that's really, really asserted their dominance as much as like a Celtics or a Bucks. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, let's talk about because the Minnesota Timberwolves are an interesting topic. I think Cat just got announced that he's going to be missing the next few weeks. <laughs> get brother, get better, Cat. But yeah. They're, they're a team that really made this all-in move and were able to get their big, big star of the show and Rudy Gobert and hasn't been turning out too well. What do, you, what do you think of the trade, first of all, Ruben? And not to say you can fix it, but what, what do you think is, like, the next few weeks looking like for them and heading towards, like, the future? Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of words to say about this team. Yeah, get it out, man. Uh, but but you know what though? But me me and you did talk about this at the start of the season. Was the biggest question mark was going to be fit? It was simply going to be fit, right? Like Rudy Gobert, you can typically plug in on any roster and you'll be good. Like we were talking about him having having him on the Raptors potentially, him on the Atlanta Hawks. Like how well he would work in a screen and roll situation with a guy like Trey Young. Um, but I guess the one team that we were like, huh, I don't know if the fit is great necessarily is literally the Timberwolves, right? And they went all in on getting Rudy. And I think they understood what their deficiencies were last year. Like what you would say, like last year defensively was their most inconsistent part of the game, right? Yeah, like, they were, I think they were like the top offense last year, weren't they? Chris Finch? Yeah, right? they were like, yeah, they were one of the, yeah. But then on the defensive end was a lack, a lack of consistency. I mean, D'Angelo Russell at the head of the snake is not a great defender. Um, Anthony Edwards is still yet to be seen. I know we'll have a little bit of a conversation regarding him because he's not looking great, to be honest, this year. Um, I will say, excuse me, Jaden McDaniels has had some really nice, solid moments this year. No doubt. Jalen Noel is like, playing like a super solid yeah. option. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the team The team has pieces, the team has talent, and this is something we've known since last year, was they have talent. But like Charles Bar- uh, Charles Barkley said, it, I think, on one of the broadcasts, where he was like, that team is dumber than rocks, right? Like, that team is dumber than rocks. And adding a Rudy Gobert to that team, the biggest thing is fit. Like, a guy like Cat is a guy who plays outside, 
But if you're going to congest the paint, that ruins a lot of offensive opportunities for him. Because if you congest the paint, then teams can load up on him on the outside, right? They can they can push him on the perimeter, um, and then they're going to force him to drive. Um, which in that case, it's not necessarily the best part of his game. And at the same time, he has no driving lanes because the paint is being clogged by Rudy Gobert. And so that's the problem. And like, so when you have other guys like who aren't necessarily great three point shooters on the squad, it's, um, you know, the fit offensively is not great. And I think what, what are their numbers? Something like this year, like they're, they're so, I think they're in the bottom third or the bottom half offensively this year. Yeah. Like, the numbers aren't good. They're, they're 114.6 points per game, which is their offense. And they let up 116, yeah. which is obviously one yeah. of the worst so, ones. Well, they've got a, that's that's a minus two right offensive defensive rating, and so, I mean, you're looking at this team right, and they have pieces. It's just fit, and so quite frankly, just Cat and Rudy don't fit, and there's not a way that you can make that necessarily fit unless you have Cat play simply as a pylon on the outside, and you you play inside out. The problem is, and and this is the thing, like a, a great example of a team that was was with um fit is remember the orlando magic back in 2009 oh, right where dwight howard Edo, everything was throwing Lewis, yeah that was a solid team man. that was a good team but that's the thing right you had an all-star forward like richard lewis and hito turkoglu like like caliber players right i'm not saying these guys mm-hmm. were top you know top you know top-notch guys so to speak but you could throw the ball into Dwight, and he could make stuff happen on the inside, and he was good enough to be able to kick it out. You can't, you can't do that with a guy like Rudy Gobert because he has no, he has no offense, he has no post-up offense. And so, when you ask a guy like Cat to sit on the outside and be a catch and shoot guy, and then make secondary plays from three levels when the paint is congested, um, he's also a big guy, and then there's two other guys who require the ball in order for them to be successful, like D'Lo and Anthony Edwards. Like the fit is not. The, I, there's nothing more we can say, right? Like the fit is is really really awkward, and that's why their offense is taking a huge hit. Because when Cat was playing the five, you could spread the floor, you could run the paint and transition. He's your often your trailer, and there's no one congesting the paint when you had even a guy like Jared Vanderbilt in there, because he's a guy who could who could hit that shot every now and then. So, um, I don't know what they're going to do about the squad. I think it's worth looking into pulling a deal for. I think there are pieces there that don't necessarily fit. And I think, um, I'm done. I would love to see this team figure it out, only because of the fact that I really am a big fan of Cat. I think as 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 a person, at least publicly, what he's showed is he's a guy that I feel like deserves to win at some point and, and get his flowers because he is a great player. And just um, unfortunately, the team building around him hasn't been very good over the last few years. And um, I don't know, like they went all in on Rudy. They they mortgaged their whole future with those picks and those swaps and all those young guys. And I don't know what you're left with at that point, right? You're left with a yeah, mid-team. I mean, I'll, I'll say it like this. It's definitely not to the same extent, but you it just feels like it has the inklings of the of the ultimate finesse in NBA history with Danny Ainge and trading yeah. the old Celtics for obviously guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown who eventually developed yeah. this whole big thing. And I I think the thing is that 
they pulled it off again. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, off it again. was a little bit like Icarus, where they just got too damn close to the sun for their own damn good. They obviously yeah. Minnesota is like a team that has a rich history of kind of screwing things up like this. K KG is like the big biggest like example of that, and now you're seeing the second coming of that with this cat and now Ant, and I think it's that. Again, they got a little too greedy and wanted to get a little too top-heavy when really, I think all this team really needed was time to mesh together. This is the first time yeah. last year where this team was, like, solid. You had guys like Jared Vanderbilt, who's, who I think is a team that he's in that echelon of the P.J. Tuckers, the Josh Hart's, the, the guys who are never going to have, like, 20 and 10, but the way they hustle, the intangibles they have is worth so much more in that sense. And not only that, you had buckets like Malik Beasley, who's a solid microwave off your bench. Uh, Patrick Beverly, I think, was a big, big reason why they were able to be in the upper echelon of the Western Conference last year. And I think what what they gained in uh, top-heavy value, and they really lost in their culture. And, you know, this is the price of it. And I, I think what they should have done is definitely, when you look at it, it was way too much value for Rudy. And even even the pick that they traded away that would eventually become Walker Kessler, if you put him in, I'm not saying you start him, but I think you'd be able to stack it where you have minutes of cap yeah. playing before. And, and I just it's think a different that, look. yeah, the way he plays, I, I understand that he wants to play like positionally as a four, but I just don't think he really has the foot speed to completely pick up with keep up with those kind of guys and well, i think you probably anymore, stack it right? yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. but de- uh, definitely they're they're a team i think i don't know if they can but i hope they do figure it out for sure i think even to talk about it you said anthony edwards he was this guy i think everybody had touted to take this next level i mean patrick beverly said it best he think he can be better than mj and he mm. was supposed to kind of start to jump to that sort of level of stardom but so far, it's just been really, really a lot of stagnation. We saw the the last game where he like kind of kept them in with the with the Wizards. He had twenty eight or something along those lines, but obviously that kind of turned into a blowout. So, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see how this period without Cat works because now obviously a lot of if not a majority of the offense falls into Anthony Edwards' hands. You know, Rudy's gonna not gonna give you anything offensively. D'Angelo Russell's way too inconsistent Jalen McDaniels is a solid guy he's like the bend don't break type I think we're really really gonna see Anthony Edwards start to pick it up a level but it's times like these I think where you see this uptick in production but it's when you start to implement all your pieces back together where I think you really really start to get into like how they are now I think they're on a five six game losing streak right now so it's interesting to see what the next few weeks is going to look like. But, yeah, I'm, this, this is probably not not even a hot take. I, I think there's undoubtedly, next to, like, the Celtics trade, in a few years this could be looked at as the worst trade in NBA history. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like, I think we knew that. We talked about this. We knew this, like, a guy you mortgage your future for is Donovan Mitchell in this case, if you're looking at that Utah Jazz roster. Kevin, That's who you mortgage Durant. your future for. It's a Kevin Durant. 
because you ha- even though Kevin Durant at 32-33, he's got four years left on his contract. And with his style of play, he's still going to be able to keep up that kind of production, at least for uh, the next two, three years. Guy like Donovan Mitchell, who's still a really young player and has a lot of years left in this league, and you know that his ability to grow, and he's dynamic offensively, and that changes the whole lot for your team. Because at the end of the day, we can say what we want about everything else. If you can't score the ball, if you don't have a guy who can score at all three levels, uh, your team's not going to get very far. A guy like Rudy Gobert is generationally de- is a generational generational defender, right? We know this. Like he's won multiple Defensive Players of the Year. He's been an impact player on the defensive end. Um, he's actually not bad at offensively when it comes to the screen roll. Um, the problem is he hasn't been in a good fit for him to be able to showcase that consistently because we're talking about Utah when Donovan Mitchell has the ball in his hands 100% of the time. Um, he's never been a guy to see those kind of looks, right? And he still doesn't do that here in Cleveland and what I noticed. And then you look on the other end of, of uh, you know, Rudy Gobert being here in, in Minnesota now, a, a guy like D'Angelo Russell is actually great for him. But the problem is the fit isn't great around that, right? Necessarily where a guy like Anthony Edwards isn't this tip-top shooter. And if I'm not mistaken, a lot of his percentages are down this year. And everything else around built around this team, right? It's just the fit isn't great where they can congest the paint against a guy like Rudy Gobert. So the threat of that pick and roll is like, it's just, uh, it's negated. So um, you, you were talking about, it'll be interesting to see what Anthony Edwards looks like with this team now as a primary scorer. I mean, him coming into camp, like out of shape, not looking very good. Um, it didn't seem like he was, he had bought in. It didn't look like he took an, a, another step forward in his progression this year. And that's a huge issue if you're talking about a guy who's coming into his third year. I mean, oftentimes that third year is where you say, okay, this guy's going to break through, um, really break through, because that's when you start to separate yourself from the pack as an NBA player or an NBA star. And Edwards has not gone on to a good start, right? Like, And so we have to see. I think this is going to be a really good stretch for him to really showcase that, okay, hey, I am that kind of guy, and just I'm not at a place where the fit is great. But it'll be great to see him get others involved too, because that's the next progression part of this game, because everyone knows that Edwards can score. It's whether or not he can facilitate and get others involved. And that's always the next step for every great player. It's always been the next step for a guy like LeBron James. It's always been a great step, a big step for a guy like Giannis, for a guy like who, who haven't naturally come into the league and been like, Oh, that guy's a natural playmaker. Like he's always looking to pass the ball. Right. It's 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 the simple things for a guy like Kevin Durant. Like we know these guys can score, but can they do all the other stuff that'll impact your team's winning? And so if he can get other guys involved, if he can make a guy like Rudy Gobert useful on the offensive end, right? If he can draw attention to him offensively and be able to make the right play, I think that's the next step in his progression. At the very least, if he can't pick up the rest of the other stuff that you don't have when Cat is around, but. Like you, DJ, like, I, I, I want to see this team succeed, but at the same time, like, this is also damage that they've done to themselves. And I think, like, the first, what is it, 21 games that they played, like, it's a clear, like, it's a clear indicator that team's fit is wonky. And so there's got to be some sort of drastic change in order for them to get into that, you know, to, to be good enough, to be a, a solid team. 
hundred percent. Let's shift from one of the biggest dumpster fires to uh, one. I think the greatest feel good stories of uh, this season. It is the Sacramento Kings. It's uh, their what's it called? They're ten and nine right now, so a little bit of a fall from grace. But Mike Brown's got them boys hooping. I mean. I don't know if we talked. No, we definitely did. I thought they had one of the most underrated off seasons of this entire out of the entire NBA. You know, no big, no big sexy names to name for sure. But Kevin Herter, I think, is a guy that's in like. Well, I don't think he'll win it. He's definitely in the running for like something like an MIP. Malik Monk is looking like a demon. They they just have a lot of guys that fit their two stars. I think they've really been able to really create a nice solid nucleus in uh, in a Sacramento for sure. Yeah, I I um I like what they've done so far. I mean, the only thing that'll always stick with me is the fact that you trade a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, right? Like no the, doubt. that's a franchise player. And I mean you're seeing the fruits of his labor in Indiana where he's currently sit fourth in the Eastern Conference, right? And the yeah, team that everyone the thought was going to take yeah, um, he's been a star, and and like at the end of the day, I understand that that Sacramento needed to make kind of a win now play, which they did, and it looks like it's paying off a little bit. Um, are they good enough to make the playoffs? Yes. Will they make any noise? Probably not. But I mean, I think that's fair enough for Sacramento fans to be like, oh, like you know, we're gonna yeah, get a good enough team. There's a thing working. Yeah, I, I will say though, Chris and I made a little side bet because here here's my thing. I'm a big believer in what Sacramento's doing, but I, I think they're a year early, low-key, because here's how I think it's going to play out. I, I think they're going to make the play-in, but I think you saw it in the Phoenix game where I think it's these big, big moments where they're able to somewhat keep their head above water, but evidently the moment starts to drown them out a little bit. And I think, you know, game on the line... Would you really trust someone like De'Aaron Fox, like with a three? He's no doubt he's improved it for sure, but I think that it's a little. I'm still a little shaky about that, especially if you consider it against, say, if we look at it now. Okay, seven to eight, Utah for sure. Sacramento has a chance to win there, but on the off chance they lose, if they have Dallas or Golden State, I'm taking either of those guys to win that that match, but. I think for sure the future is bright, but I just think that when it comes to, like, again, these big moments when when shit gets real, I just think it might be a little, little too big for them at that point. But this is all just, just to say next year, not to say that they'll drop to, well, obviously they don't make it, they'll be in the lottery, but I think being able to add another solid piece and I think another solid shooter is the thing that'll really, really take them from, like, this middle-of-the-pack kind of Indiana Pacers vibes where we're not in the upper echelon, but we're not tanking, to really starting to grow into not maybe necessarily the next force in the West, but definitely one of those top, top top-tier teams, I think, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with the um, one-year-too-early kind of thing. I mean, they have a lot of young, good young pieces. And again, I think it's just reps, reps in the winning moments, like you said. Uh, once they're exposed to that a little more, I think they'll start to get used to that. Because, I mean, you pose that question, like, do you trust De'Aaron Fox with the three? I mean, can you trust De'Aaron Fox in those moments, period? 
because they haven't found themselves in those situations very often over the course of his career thus far. So he's unproven still, right, in the sense that even though he's been in the league for a while and he's proven to be a really good player, and I will say I think De'Aaron Fox very much deserves all-star berth no consideration. Doubt. No doubt. He's been, he's he's been incredible. He's, dude, he's been incredible this year. Like, De'Aaron Fox has been so good this year. Like, there's no way that he, he, he should miss an all-star game this year. Um, but with that being said, again, he's unproven when the time matters most. And so it'll be interesting to see as the season progresses, you know, if they're actually winning um, and they're actually, like, competing for a play-in and playoff spot. Like, it'll be interesting to see how they fare in those moments because, you know, that'll make or break, like, you, whether or not be you being a contender or contender, right? And I know we're going to talk about that, but, you know, that's a very simple factor. 100%. Yeah, I think those are two teams I just want to, like, give a specific light on. Or actually, before that, though, let's talk about... uh team that you were very high on, the team that just exited the 2022 mid-off. It's, it's the Dallas Mavericks. Not necessarily how they're looking yeah. right now, but they made two solid additions today, or maybe not today, but Kemba Walker. What, what, what's your opinions on that? I'll, talk, I'll tackle the second thing, but I just want to hear your opinions on uh, the addition uh, of the new You know what? I, I think it's a really nice fit simply because of the fact that um, – well, I mean, if we're going to do a direct comparison to Jalen Brunson, the, the comparison's not fair. Uh, Jalen Brunson is an all-star level guard at this point in the way he's playing with New York. But w- what was so good about Jalen Brunson was that he could alleviate so much of the playmaking ability that when Luka didn't have the ball, and you're seeing it, like we saw it, like these last few games, right? We saw it, again, I, I really want to touch base on this. Golden State and Toronto, uh, and Toronto did it most of the game, and Golden State did it in the clutch moments when... Um, they they stopped going from uh, single coverage. Is once they blitz that pick and roll, oftentimes that set, that first pass was either to Jalen Brunson or Dinwiddie. And what's happening right now is um, when Dinwiddie has that ball, they're often rotating, and so he has to give that ball up. And there was a a play in the Toronto game that I want to bring up specifically where um, Luca got got uh, I think he got doubled. And then he had to give it up, and I, if I can't, if I remember correctly, it was to Kleber, and then Kleber, I think, gave it up to Fetty Smith. I think he, uh, I think he shaded right. I'm probably getting this completely wrong, <laughs> completely wrong. But either way, the first pass out of a double wasn't to a guy who naturally always has the ball in his hands, where it would typically have been a Jalen Brunson. Right, because oftentimes what they try to do in those situations is they try to get the matchup. So Jalen Brunson would often set that screen. They try to get Jalen Brunson's man on Luca, but in that case, they would most of the time blitz to get the ball out of his hands. That ball has to reverse. It goes into Jalen Brunson's hand, and the beauty about Jalen Brunson is he can make play. Right, and that's why he was so highly touted by New York and all these other teams. But this time around, he's giving it up to Maxi Kleber and Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway. And to some extent, you can give it to Dinwiddie, but he hasn't. he's not necessarily the same player as Jalen Brunson, where he's a natural playmaker, right? Um, and so in this case, like the, the, the problem with their team is they really lack that guy who can come in and be like, hey, Luca, take a rest. I can worry about the facilitating part, and you just worry about being a decoy on offense. And... To some parts of that, we were we were saying earlier this year, Christian Wood was supposed to be that guy. 
Now right, he's but like it's, not getting like a, a steady, steady like slate of minutes. No, he's not, and it seems like he's just plugged to be a pylon, to be a three-point threat. And while his shooting numbers have been solid this year with Dallas, the beauty about Christian Wood's game is that he actually is a three-level scorer for his size, right? And he's a guy that can handle the rock, and he's a guy that can create for himself. And it just doesn't feel like he's in a situation where. Um, like he's being put in that that position to be successful. So again, I think like the similar thing with Minnesota is Luca's having it like like the fit's not great outside of Luca because Luca has to handle everything. But when they double him and get the ball out of his hands, when it's not to make the right play necessarily, it's just forcing the ball out of his hands, and they're forcing they're making that four and three situation happen. Can those four guys create a basketball play against uh, an un- an even defense? And like thus far, that's the reason why their record is ten and ten because like simply Luke is winning games for them, and then when they're losing games, their guys who need to be there, like the teammates, have not have not played uh, well, or they have not been by uh, the help that Luca necessarily needs. Um, I I compare this time of Luca's career to James Harden's MVP years. Very mm, similar. That's in the what sense everybody's where, saying. Yeah. No, I see the yeah, comparison. It's, it, it's dribble, dribble, dribble. Right. Get a shot out. Like Charles Barkley said, dribble, 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 dribble. Right. Um, and when teams doubled, he always made the right pass. But that right pass was often to a guy like Chris Paul or a guy who could make a shot, right, on the catch. And guys were positioned so well where they were where they were able to make the correct basketball play every single time. Um, a guy like P.G. Tucker, who's so well-known for the for, for being that catch-and-shoot kind of guy. Um, and you don't have a lot of that in Dallas, right? And so you want to play that style play, but if, you're, if, you're, if your pieces just aren't set up for that kind of play, like for that kind of basketball, it's, it's, you can do as much as you want. You can have the best talent. They literally, I think, Luka's having as good of an NBA season as I've seen in a really long time. But like they're just not maximizing the potential for him with the pieces around. They just they, and or like I hate to say it, I just don't feel like Jason Kidd is doing a very good job this year either, right? I think a lot of his adjustments have been pretty piss poor. Um, watching the Toronto game too, like I think there's a lot of coaching things that could have happened um, in that game and even in the Warriors game that we just watched. So um, I'll leave it at that. I think. Uh, you yeah, know, no, I, Dallas, Kemba, Dallas I think it's definitely, <laughs> Kemba's, he's going to add some spunk to the offense for sure. I think he's going to make it so that it's not so heliocentric. And I'm not saying that he's going to replace the production that Jalen Brunson, because, yeah, I don't think it's fair to really put that kind of label on him because he's, what, 33 now? So I, I think that Kemba's for sure going to, again, he's going to make it so that the offense isn't so predictable in that sense, because you're right. Luca's either going to take six dribbles and kick it out and the next guy's going to shoot. Yeah. Or Luca's going to settle for some bullshit. Camo's going to I think alleviate some of that. But the other guy we going to talk about, Jaded Hardy. Whoo. Yeah, he's back. I I don't think he's going to come in and obviously average 20. Definitely not that, but dude's a bucket. This this is a dude that yeah. is is able to get his shot off, able to create at multiple levels. I think the only thing I don't like is that 
a lot of his offense is similar to Luca in that it comes at the top of the key where he's kind of the main initiator. So it's definitely going to be hard to have that adjustment to kind of going to off ball. But I just think it's going to be a good look for the Mavs to have it so that it's not so much only one guy on the floor can really take you off the dribble and create his own shot and everybody else can only really catch and shoot. I think that, again, that makes it so that your offense isn't so predictable, isn't so able to, like, gamble on those, like, double teams and stuff like that. So it's going to be great to see for sure, I think. Is it going to propel them into – because did you say they were going to, like, potentially make a finals run? I, I, I genuinely thought so. I genuinely thought so. And I, I, I still feel like they're a team that can make a deep run. I think they have the pieces. I just don't know if they're being put in the right – position to be successful yeah it's definitely not as dire as the minnesota situation for sure but i think yeah there there is a little bit of tinkering that needs to be done and i I think jason kidd is capable of it but we're we're just gonna have to see i think for sure all right yeah now let's head into uh we'll kind of loop these two together pretender versus contender I'll, i'll just list the teams off hate to do this to you ruben the clippers are they a pretender or a contender? Yeah. Is that what we're asking? Yeah. Oh, they're contender. They're they're a contender for sure for me. I think uh, to be twelve and nine and fifth in the Western Conference where they currently are, considering the injuries that they faced, I will say they're a contender. And if they are fully healthy, and I think they will get Kawhi back at some point consistently, I think um, I think they'll be fine. I think there's too much depth and talent on that team for them to be washed off as a pretender. No doubt, no doubt. I guess I'll have those next to the Pelicans. I'm not going to lie. I don't think I said it on the pod, but I had a feeling that if everything were to go right, if if the sun's aligned and the he moon was clear, the, the Pelicans, yeah, the Pelicans, I think, could be in that upper echelon. They're, they're only two games back from Phoenix. And to think that they're missing out on BI right now, CJ hasn't played in a bit. And again, like you said, there's still a flow. I think it, it speaks volume to their depth. And New Orleans, I think. The only thing, if you replace Valanchunas with a guy like Miles Turner, that's probably one of, if not the best starting fives in the league for sure. I, I think that's kind of the only big hole right now. You know, the yeah. one through four, solid as they come. But it's, it's too just bad the fact he's had that a bad. Yeah, and and you and I are both big Jonas Valanciunas fan. He, he, no doubt, he's a top ten center, but I think it's similar to the Rudy thing where there's just not the fit. And I'm, I'm not gonna lie, trade for Miles Turner. I I don't know how you do it, but you just gotta figure out some way to do it. So I I think the Pelicans are for sure. They're they're a legit team. They have the ability to, I think, make a deep run this year. We saw last year they almost shocked the world as, like, the last one eighth seed since. Uh, was the last one the We Believe team? Yeah, that'd be Dallas. Or was it? Oh, well, oh, well I guess you can count the the Bulls, but that doesn't really count because D-Rose, he blew out before that. But, yeah, no. Yeah. They, they could have been in that history book with them. And let's head on to this next team. Denver. So, oh, man. Denver's a tough one for me. But I will lean contender still. I do too, I but I, I think it's a year early. I think next year 
when it's Jamal Murray's like fully, fully kind of back, <sighs> low key. But he's already like, I think he had he had a solid game the other night. So he's look, treading in the right direction. But the reason I agree with that is not only because of the fact that Murray's still coming back. But I still think they are a year away from just having. Um, I think they, I, they're still missing a piece to me. They're still missing a piece to me, and they have the MVP of the league. They've got Jamal Murray. Like when he's healthy, he's an all-star caliber guard. They have um, two-way wings and KCP and Bruce Brown and and uh, and. Uh, Aaron Gordon, um, but I just, I just, I don't know what it is. I think they're still missing a piece. I think a guy like like Bones Highland, like you know, when we look at the Warriors, a guy like Jordan Poole is so huge to their success. Yeah, right? I, I think Bones can develop into that guy, and he's a guy I thought would take that big step this year. And he hasn't. yeah, he has not so far. I, I still think saying. he could, but yeah. I get what you mean. They're definitely missing. They're missing a little spunk off their bench. I, I think they have a do-it-all guy with somebody like Christian Braun. Somebody that's, you know, able to do a bit of the gritty work. Who? Christian Braun, Sorry. man. I just had to. I just National had to. champion. I, I know who he is. I'm just saying, who? 100%. Nah, you know, he, he's not a household name yet, but he, he's a fire hydrant for sure. But, no, they're, I think they're just missing that, that shot creation and that real... Yeah, kind of Lou Williams esque player. It was, off it was the supposed bench. to be Aaron Gordon. I mean, Aaron Gordon was a twenty point per game scorer in Orlando. Yeah, but and, now I I think he's in the know, perfect situation where you don't necessarily need that from him. And we've seen this Denver team still be solidly solidly competitive yeah. with him being as like the second option last year. He took a game off the Warriors, who eventually won the chip. So that counts for something. But yeah, no, I I think the bench still needs a little bit of work. But they're definitely on the right track, no doubt. Yeah. But I just think 100%. next year is probably a better year because, you know, again, you get Jamal Murray back a little bit more healthy. You, you hope that Michael Porter Jr.'s back holds up from all the shots he's taking, all the shots to his back. Could call them back shots. You know? Back shots. <laughs> back shots, back shots, back shots. But, yeah, no, I, when you have a guy like Nikola Jokic, you're, you're automatically, I think, there's always a chance. Not if it's yeah. a really good chance or a shit chance, but there's a chance for sure. All right, next team. Brooklyn. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. Pretender. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to be pretending to be contending to the point where they contend. No, nah, but uh, is, is Ben Simmons back back? That's that's a question. I would like to see. I would like to say he he looks good. He yeah, for good sure. Like these good. these past few games have been really great to see. It's it shows why he was drafted as high as he was. It shows why he was one of like a guy to garner comparisons to Giannis. Not he's obviously not going to get to that now anytime soon at least. But I I think we we're really starting to see is that this team fully healthy with Utah Watanabe being the best shooter in the league right now. It, it it might be a little hard to beat, but I I agree. Don't fumble the bag, man. Hey, what, what's your what's your favorite moment of Yuta Watanabe in a, in a Raptors jersey? Was it him getting dunked on? Because that's probably all you remember. 
actually. He got dunked on twice, though, as a Raptor. Yeah. He had a really nice play last year, though. I can't remember. But, you know, Utah, we love you. Yeah, you know. Ah, whatever. Yeah, not, not only that, back, but I'm glad to see we him saw Brooklyn. They're about to get a... Uh, I think TJ Warren's supposed to make his... We're, we're about to see one of two guys who hasn't played NBA basketball since the bubble in TJ Warren. And yeah. Last time there, he looked like Michael Jordan. He's obviously not going to get to that level, but you're, you're seeing this team start to get a little bit more healthy. And I think that, that's the thing with Brooklyn where, again, on paper, undoubtedly one of the most talented teams in the league, but through the nice. dumpster fire, whether it be the PR, um, everything in, in tangent together, Hasn't shaped out to be a good year so far. But when you look at the adjustments they made, Jock Vaughn looks like he's really got a hold of that locker room and a lot of them have started to buy in. KD's starting to take an uptick defensively. Kyrie's like starting to, I think, take a good enough step back to where it's not so like too many chefs in the kitchen in a sense. Seth Curry's starting to get back. I think that all the things are looking up for them. It's just a matter if that actually translates. So, for now, I'll say pro contenders, but probably leaning more more pretenders. I, I think they're not getting swept this year for sure if they make the playoffs. I'll say that. I think that's where I'm at. <clears throat> but, all right, is there any? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this uh, team. Oh, I, I do. Okay, maybe I'll, oh. I'll throw one out for right now. All right, for both go ahead. Of us. We talk so much junk about this team to start the season, yet they sit number one in the Western Conference. Phoenix, Phoenix Suns, Suns, pretender or contender? Pretenders, but I don't give a fuck if they go undefeated for the rest <laughs> of the year. Do it in the playoffs. I, it don't matter. Nah, but uh, <laughs> look, uh, to keep it a stack, Somebody 100%. Uh, they, they could go undefeated. They still go lose. Nah, but... Uh, I think they're they're a piece away for sure. You, I think they just need somebody to really, yeah. really yeah, shore Jay Crowder the, away. the bench. Fuck Jay Crowder, man. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh! That's and hilarious. the resident Suns fan is in here. Gabriel, what is up, my brother? Listen, man. The Suns. There's a player they need. Yo, think about it like this: if they could somehow get Jordan Clarkson. That team would be so nice. Oh, that's a good. That pick team up. would be so yeah. solid. That team would be. Mwah. But well, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be sold at the deadline for sure. Time. We're gonna talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. I mean, shh. Jordan Clarkson to Phoenix, I think, would be the perfect situation where campaign is gonna get. Obviously, he's solid as like a solid, you know, backup. Uh, Tory Craig is looking I until Giannis blasts him, but. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cam Johnson's supposed to come back potentially this year too, right? Because I know he tore it. Yeah, but... he's supposed to be back this year. Yeah, yeah he's so, supposed to... I mean, like, it's not going to be I think it's a getting healthy. Soon. Yeah, DeAndre Aiden is looking like he's taking that next step. We're praying some power forward spot is looking dicey, but we made it work. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think for all the bits and pieces of turmoil that have befell the Phoenix Suns, they've, I think, been able to bounce back. That's evidenced by the fact that they're at the top of the mountain right now when it comes to the West. But... There just really isn't that depth you need. You know, when Dwayne Washington Jr. is, like, playing solid, you you know that it's cool and all, but, come on, it's, it's Dwayne Washington Jr., man. When Damian Lee is hitting three threes for you, it's cool and all, but 
It's Damian Lee. You know, I, I think that they're definitely a team that needs to make some moves. They're a team that I think are going to make moves. But as of now, I'm sorry I got to say it, pretenders. They got an old man at their point. They, they got potentially disgruntled center. I, I don't even know. Uh, there's just so much. You know, they're, they're the I biggest wild card. Much, though. Actually, you know, yeah. I, he, he looks like he's bought in a little bit now. But, yeah, you know, it, it's it's just yeah. a lot. There's a lot I'm that needs to go right for Phoenix to, for Phoenix to I think get that first chip. They need Chris Paul yeah, to be healthy yeah. first of all, and I I can't think of the last time that was a thing. DB is definitely, DB is looking solid for sure. DB is, he he's like top ten in the MVP if I had to say. Mikel Bridges is as solid as they come. He's having a good year. He's having a great year. Bridges is that guy. They have all the tools to really, really succeed. I think it's just a matter if they fumble the bag or not this year. Which they probably will. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, let's let's do one more. I think. Yeah, let, we'll talk about this team. Atlanta. Oh, pretender! It's not even. It's not even a question. Dude, Dejounte Murray is having a terrible year. Oh my god! And, well, I mean, like, okay, okay, like what? Well, Okay, in context with with the the year he had last year, like Dejounte, it it just seems like like he went from San Antonio. Everybody loves Dejounte. What a great dude! Triple double guy, humble superstar. Now and he's he goes like, to Atlanta. He's the villain. Yeah, I don't know what. That's it is. what happens when you go to Atlanta. Yeah, bro, he's been spending way too much time in Magic City, bro. Hey man, the wings, bro. <laughs> I heard the wings be hitting. No, yeah, but, uh, the legs the thighs, hey, right? True. Talking about the Hawks, though, there there is one guy that that I'm really, really holding on for. It's uh, I think their guy AJ Diff, AJ Griffin. Yeah. AJ Griffin is uh is one. I, I think, hit the game winner against his daddy. Oh yeah. Oh, true. For for yeah. real, daddy too. That was and became his daddy. Nah, but uh, AJ Griffin, what I think, is a guy that perfectly. <laughs> Perfectly fits into that situation. I, I think what you're really missing from that Hawks team is just a knockdown, knockdown shooter. You know, DeJounte can kind of shoot it. Trey can kind of shoot it. John Collins kind of shoot it. AJ Griffin, he got that thang on him, though, man. He he, he keeps strapped at Atlanta. But they, they have, again, their team that has all the tools to really make noise. But I think it's just similar to the, to the Nuggets where – you have this solid piece, but you're still maybe a year away from like really getting it together. And who knows? It depends on what they can get back for John Collins, given that he's on the market now. I think they're 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 definitely in a wild card kind of situation. But I think you're right that I lean more towards pretenders for sure. Yeah, I think that was always the situation with that team. Was like outside of of Dejounte and Trey and Capella, it was always going to be the question mark of if John Collins is going to be that guy who can step in and be like that glue player, right? Like that really important glue guy that every every contending team has. Um, but it just seems like you know he reminds me, and, and we said this before, and I remember I can't remember who it was, but Atlanta. Everybody knows about this guy who played power forward, who had all-star potential, but was always involved in trade talks every single season. And his name is Josh Smith. He's a dunk guy. You know, he could create a shot. But 
and he could never really get over the hump when it came to his progression as a player. And John Collins is sitting in the exact same spot that Josh Smith happened to sit in when he was with the Hawks too. And so his his career, whether he stays in Atlanta or goes somewhere else, will either go like, you know, the stonks are going to go or he's just going to drop and his career is going to take a huge plummet. And a change of environment, I think, is what's needed for him. And or um, their system has to change and he has to be much more involved because, you know, honestly, I think John Collins is a guy that would be would fit in any NBA roster, but it just doesn't seem like in Atlanta that he's ever been. It seems like he's been an afterthought always when it came or when it comes to the focus of of a team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how they progress forward because I thought he was going to be such an important piece. We thought he was going to be. I thought he was like going to go back to like fifteen and ten. Yeah, I mean, we all thought he was going to be a beneficiary to Dejounte. I mean, the biggest problem is at the end of the day, regardless, if you got Dejounte or not, Trey Young, that's still his team. Hmm. So, um, you know, it is what it is. All right, let's shift gears a little bit. Sellers versus buyers. I guess we'll throw out some teams here. Indiana Pacers. What you thinking, Rube? Uh, I think they're going to sell, um, only because of the fact that I think they know that. Um, they have a lot of assets that I, I just think you have to capitalize on and the teams are going to be paying for at the deadline. Like Buddy Heald is going to be a guy that every team will want come February and a hundred percent, they're going to get some really good value for him, especially with the way he's been playing with Indiana, right? Like he's been balling and that opens up, you know, more opportunities for their guys like Benedict Maturid and Nembard, who just are Canadian boys. Nembard sure. just hit a game winner against the Lakers, right? And he was playing awesome in that game. So, I mean, you really got to think about the future as much as they are winning right now. And it seems like what they're doing is at a very similar stage where the Raptors are at right now, where they're trying to develop their talent, but at the same time, try to be competitive. But when you have an asset like Buddy Keel, who, again, who's been helping and contributing to the team being competitive, but when you have an asset like him where you could potentially get a pick back and continue to build on your future assets, like... I don't know how you can pass that up. So I think they're very much going to be sellers come deadline time. Would you sell Miles Turner too? Or you think he's like a little within the timeline a little? I th- I think he's within the timeline. I mean, he's 26 years old, if I'm not mistaken. I think the only right? thing with him though, is that he's also on the last year of the contract. And he's probably a guy that's going to want top, top dollar because given his skill set, I think he deserves that for sure. But so why why wouldn't you pay them? True. Pay them that then. But I I think the thing is that they also have guys like Isaiah Jackson where I don't I'm not saying that he's gonna grow into that Miles Turner, but when you have guys like Buddy Heald and and Miles Turner, and you think about how deep draft classes are now, especially this one up up and coming, I, I think that if you're the Pacers and based on how the Pacers are you probably would sell on both. I agree that they should probably keep at least miles, but at the potential return, I, I think I'd sell both. That's the thing, though. Because of the fact that Miles Turner was in the last year of his contract, they're not going to get that same return that they, they would have had if they sold him at the, at, in the summertime. Simply because of the fact that he can just walk at the end of the year, right? Regardless sure. of what team trades for him. 
And so if a team trades for him for this one rental, you know, they lose their asset. They, they mortgage their future a little bit for a little run at Miles Turner. And in the end, they can't pay him. If you're looking at a team like Toronto, if they were to make a run at Miles Turner, great fit, but he could easily leave because they might not have salary capital to be able to afford a guy like him moving forward, considering they have to think about the futures of Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., unless their guys dealt for Miles Turner. So, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's a it, Miles Turner is a tough one for me because I know we so often talk about draft picks and 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 young players and and the league is going in in the route of if you're past thirty years old, you know you're past your prime or you're no longer part of the timeline. But a Miles Turner is such a proven commodity in the league that you plug him on any of the thirty rosters right now and he's going to be a competitive contributor. And so okay. I think like. I think you just have to stick with a guy like Turner. Buddy Heald's a bit different because of the fact that I think you've already got a Benedict Matcher in. You've already got a, a Chris Duarte. You've already got a, a, a Nembard. So I think, you know, you just you, you just buy into and invest in those guys more and, and, and get your value back that you can get for Heald versus Turner's a tough guy to, to, to replicate across the league. I don't know if there are very many bigs like him. Well, that, that's why he's the guy. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the Hornets. Mm. I don't know what the hell they are this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell they are this yeah, year. Yeah, because they're, they're uh, another team you haven't really seen their top, top, like, top te- top tier first team kind of run because obviously LaMelo's been injured. Gordon Hayward's injured again. It, it's just a lot of, like, uncertainty I, I think it was the wrong move to fire James Borrego there, there's just a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of question marks in there you know J- Michael Jordan looked like the team was you know getting a bit on track but shit the bed again but uh I I think sellers personally you have an asset like Terry Rozier who I think will get you a solid return the way Kelly Oubre is playing could get you some solid return there's just a lot of guys that I think they should sell James Booknight being one of them, which was, man, I don't know what I was, I I, I thought I said, I said he was going to be six man. Holy, was I wrong. Oh my goodness. Oh my Lord. He's a bum. He's actually so cheeks. Oh, so cheeks. Didn't he, didn't he? Didn't he show? Apparently, like, wasn't he like arrested because he had a gun in his lap? Or yeah, something? earlier in the year. Oh my lord! Crazy the Charlotte trash. PR department's got got a whole bunch of fires to put out. Nah, but uh, when you have you when you have a guy like Lamelo, which I'm not gonna lie, come on, Lamelo, he ice up the ankle, baby, ice up, because he he was like my number yeah. one pick in my, one of my fantasy leagues, man. But is your number one pick? Yeah. Because I, I think we were eight men, and I was like the seventh pick. So my, my choices were a little sparse. But when you have a guy like LaMelo, your your window to kind of... I don't want to say entice him to stay, because obviously you can, you have restricted free agency. But I think the long-term window to stay is something that you really, really have to capitalize within the young, within the young players like before they sign that extension. And what I mean by that is that you got to show them that there's some hope in this roster, not only for now, but in the future. You know, that's why you have, like, young assets. That's why you have all these young pieces. When you look at the Charlotte Hornets, 
ain't a lot of that around. P.J. Washington's a guy that I think is solid, but he's not a needle mover. Kelly Uber, same thing. Terry Rozier, mm-hmm. he's definitely a needle mover, but just a little bit out of the timeline of when this team has its best chance to be its most successful. So if I were them, I would sell the farm. Because if you think about it, Wembenyama and Ball, whoo! Yeah, yeah. And only that. That's different kind of unicorn stuff right there. 100%. They should have gotten Ball, Ball, man. Man was just sitting in free agency, just chilling. Now he's looking like a top-tier player. And I, I think that the Hornets have all the potential when you have a guy like LaMelo who can, has, again, all the potential to grow into, like, that next top, top-tier player. But the way it's looking right now, if I'm LaMelo, I'm, I'm, I might be dipping soon kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there was some of that narrative last year. For sure. Right? Like, if they weren't going to put a winning team around him. So we'll see where that goes. No doubt. Mm, I think this. We'll talk about this team, and then we'll head into, like, nice little juicy section I got planned for us because it's not the Jazz because I think obviously the way they're they were up here right now oh they're gonna be selling yeah for sure so let's talk about this next team the Chicago Bulls yeah this is is a dicey one because obviously you have this nice little core you got you know DeMar DeRozan Compton you know Chicago or not Chicago oh obviously Chicago but Toronto's finest Compton's finest. Overall, one of the best players in the league, not only as a player, but as a person. Zach Levine, probably the most athletic guard we've ever seen. Lonzo Ball, pray he gets well soon, but one of the better defenders. It, there's just a lot of a lot of good things about this team. But the way they're meshing together, the way it's playing out... I hate to say it, but I think they should be sellers. I, I think that you've seen how far this team can get together, and it's a first-round exit to the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, it's, 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 it's not so, so high to the point where there's hope, I think, because the one game they did get against the Bucks, it was kind of like they, the Bucks kind of let their foot off the gas a bit rather than, like, them getting, uh, getting one off of them. And not only that, it was the game where uh, – Man, it's the last time Chris Middleton played basketball. Looking up because he's practicing the G, but yeah, I, I think the Bulls, they've, they've made, even though it's only a year, so I think that would be the reason why they wouldn't be sellers, just because, you know, even though we can say they think, we think we've seen the peak of this team, they're not willing to probably, like, be uh, susceptible to that yet. So I don't think it would happen, but they should be sellers in my opinion, I think. Damari is still a top-tier player, but with every year going by, you got to think about how much is that going to dwindle by, which I don't think will be super, like, a lot because he's one of those guys where his game's really dependent on skill rather than, like, supreme athletic ability. But you've got these value, valuable pieces, like Kobe White should have been, like, traded yesterday, you know. You got Alex Caruso, who I think you could probably get some really, really solid return for. You You just have all these pieces to where you could set yourself up to look solid for the next five years rather than for the next year or two, I feel. 
I think they got to be both. But but we've seen with the Warriors that that don't really work. But I I see where you're coming from. Yeah, they should sell on some of their pieces, and you know, that's that's why because like you can't extend Zach Levine in the summer and say you're gonna sell. This this core is has got a window, and I think they have to fully invest into the window that they have between Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, Nikola Vucevic, and then hopefully Pat Williams uh, pans out. Hopefully, Lonzo Ball comes back healthy because if we look back to last season when he was healthy, he was the engine that made this team tick, that made this team the number one team in the East for a good period of time. Where DeMar DeRozan looked like an all, like he was a superstar. I mean, he is a superstar, but it is much easier for him to be a star when he's not the main facilitator on the team, right, on the squad. Ayo Desomu is a really nice piece. Um, but he's not there yet, right? And he's not a guy that you can plug and play and be like, oh, right, this is a contending team. So hopefully Lonzo Ball comes back healthy. I think where they're going to be sellers is uh, Kobe White. I think he's going to be a player that a lot of teams are going to be are going to be looking forward to during the deadline. And I think they're going to leverage him as a piece to try and get better and try to get depth pieces. They need another wing who can guard both ends, who can guard one end and, and contribute on the other end. Um, because Pat Williams, while he looks like he's progressed a little bit and has gotten better since coming back from his injury, he still needs time to progress. And, and because he's still a really young player who's had very little time in this league, right, to get his feet under him. So um, they've got to be both, I think, because they've got a window. Otherwise, you know, investing in DeMar and Zach Levine over this past summer and the past two years, like, you know, that comes at a cost. And so... You go all in. Yeah, I think you have to go all in at this point. Um, and they've got some pieces to make something happen, I feel. No doubt. All right. The World Cup is currently going on while we're recording this. You know, Canada just got knocked out. But got me thinking. What would a World 5 plus a 6-man look like against a USA plus a 6-man team? You know, first of all, Let's discuss who would be on each team. I, I feel like the world is pretty consensus in a sense where I think you got Shea, Luka, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. And, you know, as some love to your to our uh, Raptor boy, I think Siakam is, is a good solid six men to have. The USA roster is a little, you could go either way with it, I feel. You know, for me, I'm between Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker. Stephen Curry is obviously shoo-in. Jason Tatum shoo-in. KD shoo-in. And then uh, I had AD or Braun. I'm, I'm between the two. I think LeBron is kind of obviously mm. the, the sexy name. But is he really still one of the top five or six U.S. players? Probably. But I think he's kind of more on the bubble, personally. Well, the world team... I think we mentioned this. It's Luca, uh, Giannis, Joel, Jokic, Siakam, and who's our sixth man? Oh, actually, yeah, you had Siakam sixth man, right? Yeah, maybe maybe Shea should be our sixth man instead, because you know he. I would definitely have Shea as sixth yeah. man. I don't know if I'd put I'd, Siakam's. I I gotta say this. I think Siakam is a top five player in the league right now. Whoa, damn! I'm gonna. Uh, do I think that he's better than 
Kevin Durant and all these other guys? No, but uh, is he playing at that level and that confidence right now? I think I will say that. And he went into the he went into the year saying, "Why can't I be a top five player this year?" And so I gotta say, like he's got the numbers. Like he's literally got the numbers. He's got the numbers. Um, and like in the span of what, how many minutes he played last night? He cooked Mevin Mobley up and down the court. True. true. Um, you, you know what? So Ruben? I mean, I, I, I'm I'm not gonna say I agree, but I see it. I I, I see it. The numbers for sure back him up. I think it's just a matter of him. Now that he's back healthy, kind of cementing it. Because for sure, I think he's right now shooing for All-Star for sure. And definitely like... A, yeah, All-NBA for All sure. NBA, he's yeah. an All-NBA. Yeah. And, and again, I think it's a matter of him. If he wasn't he- if he was healthy these last two, three weeks, or would the Raptors be in situations where there were a lot of close games oh, during man. that period of time? And I, I can't right? lie, yo. You, I think you're man. Reuven, I used to be a big shit talker about Siakam, Mister. <laughs> I didn't think of this, but I think I saw it on Twitter or something where they were saying Siakam is Anthony Bennett with a spin move, which now is completely fucking ludicrous because it's ludicrous. The bag, Absolutely ludicrous. the bag is nice. Oh, yeah. The bag is is nice. <laughs> you know, it's six fadeaways last night on like Holy. Twitter. Holy. Dean Wade could barely stay in oh front my of the gosh, team. Like, it's absolutely hilarious. Like, why is he even defending Siakam? Like, that's that, so disrespectful. That's, that's free cheese. No, but... So, I think I, that's our world team, which is solidified. What will you put yeah. for the U.S.? Okay, so I have Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Kem Durant. Um, that's tough. Jason Tatum, Kem Durant. I mean... I'll still say LeBron. Okay. Uh, I will say Anthony Davis. Damn, you realize how the how big like when you're talking about the bigs, it's pretty sad. Yeah, for the US. very sorry. Because all the bigs are on Team World, man. Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, like what in the world? Um, I'll say that. Yeah, so I'll say the two Lakers: Tatum, KD, Steph Curry, and the sixth man part is where I'm going to get stuck here, but. I'll 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 throw in huh, Kawhi Leonard when healthy. Oh, when healthy. Okay, yeah, when healthy, Kawhi for sure. But we're if we're playing if we're doing the 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 ifs and ands and buts. Let's say currently as they are constructed, like like or as they are, like this Kawhi Leonard, I would not I would not nah. take. Man, I I just want to see Kawhi hoop, man. I know, me too. I don't know. So I guess we're at between. It's tough, man. There's a lot of okay. There's I think the, the wings. It's between who, who is the wing though? I, well, you got the wings. I think are Katie and and Jason Tatum. So so I think that's solid there. I, I think Steph it's Curry's between your point guard. It's yeah, like easy easy money. I think it's between Dono or Devin for who's going to be six man. Donovan Mitchell. I'd rather take Paul George or Donovan Mitchell. Oh, you are right. No, PG, PG, PG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that man, means... like, I was saying Devin Booker, uh, PG. I mean, uh, damn. Man, like, I'm, cool. taking, like, I'm taking PG over Devin Booker any day of the week. Damn, let's go around the league. 
And Dame Lillard's a guy we forget about, man. Dame, Dame Lillard. Yeah, is, but he's the same thing where a little bit of the injury bug hitting him right now. Yeah, right now, yeah, you're right, you're right. Damn, that's tough. I mean, damn, that's tough. That's like Trey, but no. If we put Trey Young on this team, he we already have. Seven. Yeah, he's gonna cook <laughs> every he's time down cook. the floor. Bop, bop. Yeah, let's let's throw a wrench in this one. Hey, who is your starting five for Team Canada and sixth man? Oh, yo, because you totally could. Okay, Shay's obviously Shay's the guy. Shay. Jamal Murray? He's the one. I probably, yeah, I put Jamal Murray beside him. Wigsy. And then, yeah. uh, not gonna lie. I would not. Benedict Maturin. Fuck RJ, bro. Oh, yeah, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, I would not put Benedict in that starting lineup right now. He's, he, dog, he's dog water. He's, he puts up the stats, but it's just a god-awful efficiency. And then. And who's our center, Dwight Powell? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, Kelly Olenek is balling, though. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably put Kelly. Man, if you think about the, the, the players, Shaden Sharp is looking nice. Here's, uh, I'm going to say it, man. Delano Banton, Chris Boucher, if France, If France can beat the U.S. next Olympics, I think Canada steals a game from them. No lie. I agree with that. But and it might be the game. I, I, you, you missed the fact that I dropped Kemp Birch's name last. Fuck Kemp Birch, man. <laughs> Bro, I think we could have like a full NBA roster. Yeah, this point. Well, I mean, we will have a full NBA roster of NBA players because I think there's something like 24 NBA players from Canada right now. Yeah, and um, I think that there's going to be some solid players that are left off. I mean, and Nembard, his he's always been involved. I think he will be uh, a shoe in for the 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 can the Canadian team because he's always been involved in the program every year. Nikhil's um, probably. Joseph. I love Nikhil oh, yeah, Alexander right. Walker, but he's probably gonna miss the, miss the cut. Yeah, I mean, should we do it right now? Should we just put a team of twelve together while we're at it? Yeah, why not? All right. Or so, you know what? How about we do like five aside, you know, draft styles. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, since you're like, I'll let you have the first pick, and I okay. okay Say it, just Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah, I will. I'll obviously take Wigsy. Okay, uh, Jamal Murray. Give me Benedict. Okay, so you got Benedict. Uh, damn, this is where it gets him. Okay, I w- okay. I know he's playing like dog water. I just think he needs an environment change. I will still take RJ Barrett. Okay. Uh, g- g- give me Lou Dort. Give me Lou Dort to lock him down. Oh my god, Lou Dort. Yes, Chris Boucher. Fuck! Oh man, I I, I think I gotta go size for give me give me Kelly man give me give me the blonde demon. Oh yeah, at this point I will take Donald Banton. Okay, I'll go young guy for younger. Give me Andrew Nembhard. Yeah, good pick, good pick. I don't think you can go wrong with any of these picks. Uh, Shane Sharp. Fuck, man! Oh shit! Uh. Let's see who 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 can I still pick here? Uh, give me Corey Jones. I mean, <laughs> yo, are you sure about that? No, nah, I take the kill Alexander Walker before I take Corey Joseph. But mm. even that, man. Uh, who else is there? Yeah, yeah Dylan Brooks, man. How we forget? How can we forget about Dylan freaking Brooks? Because Dylan Brooks has has turned into one of the most overrated players in the league. Oh God. <laughs> 
He's not, hey, 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 I don't know about that dog. He's been solid, man. Man, we got him. just looking like, man, what the... Man, let's, okay, let's look at this list, hey? So, let's just name them all. Shea Gil, okay, so Andrew Wiggins, Shea Gilders Alexander, Jamal Murray, RJ Barrett, Corey Joseph, Kelly Olenek, Gil Alexander Walker, Tristan Thompson. Is he still in the league? He is, right? Is he? He's in the Kardashian league. Yeah. I don't think he has a job Dylan right Fox. now. Uh, Dort, Doy Powell, Kim Birch, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark, uh, oh, Trey Lyles, yeah. Chris Boucher, um, the uh, the weirdo, Josh Primo, oh. uh, Delano Banton, Maturin, Shane Sharp, O'Shea Brissett, uh, Mafondu Kamangeli from Boston, uh, Ignaz Grisdakis. Do you remember how good of a summer league? <laughs> With Fondue Cavagelli I thought he was so, <laughs> I thought he was going to secure like a roster spot Bro With Fondue Cavagelli man Damn. He's giving motherfuckers business In the summer work. league He's the work. Bro Nate Darling from the Hornets Is he still there? Definitely not um, Is he still in the Hornets? Who's that? Grant Riller? He's Canadian isn't he? Grant Riller? Riller? Yeah, he, he was, uh, I think, do you remember the video of that guy who uh, LeBron told to go shoot a three and they got immediately benched? Oh, no, no, no. Oh. He, he's, he, he's American. Never mind. Never mind. Man, there's some interesting names. Yeah, this is all just to say that this game is growing. This proves yeah. why Canada should have another team, Vancouver. And this proves why basketball is, is truly, truly an international game, no doubt. I mean, we, 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 we named the Canadian starting five alone. That would probably get smoked by the all-USA five. But given that we have Giannis, we have Jokic, we have Embiid, we have Luka, and I think it, and Shea, I think it was like four of the top five in points per game, all international guys. All yeah. international guys, and the only American, I think it might have been who I think it was Donovan Mitchell, or either way, the U.S. is uh, <laughs> the only crazy thing is that on the world power rankings, how they got dropped down, which was insane. Like, I, Spain, like, come on now, come on now, like, it, it's because the U.S. rolls out guys like Justin Jackson to play <laughs> where the NBA players aren't going to play, but. Yeah, basketball's a, basketball's an international game, man. Before you know it, Canada gonna have another team. Before you know it, I would love to see. You saw how they had games in Japan this year. I would love to see some some teams go to the Philippines. They sh- they should definitely do. Might might not be the best like to sell now or think about like this. If Jordan Clarkson gets traded to Phoenix. Phoenix and the Rockets and the Phils, that would be electric, man. Oh, Holy. that would be electric, yeah. That would be so. That would be so much fun. For sure. I mean, they're definitely going to get like the Canadian guy, or sorry, the uh, Filipino guys out there to play. Like, 
I would. I, I'm sure tons of fans of the Philippines would go and watch a Utah Jazz Houston Rockets game. Hundred percent, they would. Like Jalen Green's an idol in the Philippines right now. True, like, and he's Kai Soto so. will probably sign a ten day with with one of the teams. <laughs> and and Jordan Clarkson has visited, and he's been playing for the national team for like the last couple of years. So yeah, he was hooping. I mean, he's playing for Philippines. So I mean, it is what it is. Like these guys have been supporting supporting their country and, and supporting the Filipinos like us, man, and. Giving us something to cheer about. 100%. I think that's the perfect way to end with that. This has been another episode of the Black Top Podcast. Ruben, brother, you got anything to end off with? Precious to Chua. Come back soon. (laughs) What a way to end. With that, stay safe. Stay blessed. We'll see you all soon. (laughs) Uh, Back shots. Back shots. Peace, y'all. Clip that.